Hello and welcome. My name is Lokesh Sani and this is Kuye Kesa, a podcast documenting stories and experiences from the South Asian diaspora, chronicling tales of Kuye identity. Some of the content in this episode deal with adult themes that could be alarming to some listeners. I try to make safe space for everyone. I or my guests do not mean to offend anyone in any way. Please check the show notes. for more detailed descriptions and take care of yourself i was born in india in gujarat in a small village called gadi which is near amdavad fairly good happy little childhood but at the age of 5 and a half there was a bit of an earthquake in my life because my parents decided to bring me to england and at that time my dad had come to england in 1965 in fact just a few months before i was born He then came here, got settled, found himself a decent, a good job as a teacher, and then in 1971 he decided to bring his wife, I mean my mother, and and the children, myself and my sister, over. So in the first five and a half years of my life, I didn't actually see very much of him because he was here, and maybe once every year he would visit India, but that was it. I remember the journey was quite scary, you know. I mean, Air, London Airport, Heathrow Airport. all these white people interrogating us and questioning us is all, all quite frightening i was very happy to see my father at the end of the airport you know waiting for us at the end and then jumping into a taxi and coming home um, home at that time was in golders green in north london it was a bedsit and my father rented a one room in that bedsit there was a landlady a jewish landlady granny we used to call her who was very nice to us um i remember the first time i saw television Was it because in India in 1971 there were no TVs, so we came here. We saw television, and when it first came on, I actually started crying. I was scared of it. <laughs> it's like TV. Oh my god! My dad was laughing. So don't worry, it's only television. And then he turned it off, and you know, so then I got used to it. I couldn't speak much English. Well, I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak any English at the time. Nor could my sister. Integrating a school was tough. I remember not. You know, the first few months especially. I remember it was hard to talk to people. There were actually a couple of girls who were really friendly to me, which was nice. I always found the girls were much more friendly when when you're an outsider, certainly at that age. Gradually, we we both learnt English. We made friends. We also moved from the bedsit, the council um, London above Barnet gave us a council flat, a three bedroom council flat in in Muswell Hill, and we loved it. Suddenly, we had three bedrooms, and you know, it was absolutely fine. As my confidence grew with language, I made friends, and I was, I was reasonably popular. Um, but I was very, very aware, being a brown person, I was the only brown person in my class. My sister was the only brown person in her class. That had negatives and positives. The negatives, I think, people often speak about. You know, there wasn't overt racism in that school, but occasionally you got called a name, some bad names or something. 
Um, but then there's also a lot of positive to it. For example, everybody knew you by name. The teachers always knew you by name. And um, they would often say, look, you know, look, there's that little Indian boy. Isn't he doing so well? Isn't he good at maths? Isn't he good at, um, and he knows so much about geography. In the early days, there wasn't too much racism. But by the time I think I was about 10 years old, suddenly there was um, an explosion of racism in, in England. The National Front were making a lot of noise, marching on the streets. The skinheads with them were marching on the streets. Um, the East End of London and the West particularly had huge problems um, of race attacks, black families and uh, Indian families, Pakistani families, often having things thrown through their letterboxes, being attacked on the streets. We in North London were a little bit... I guess we were shielded from that somewhat because in our area we had a mix of people, a lot of white minorities, as I call them, Jewish people, Irish people, Greek Cypriots, Turkish Cypriots, Italians, Spaniards, you know. I went to a, what was at that time, a grammar school. So these were selected schools where you had to take an entry exam to enter them. I, I didn't realise I was taking an exam from school. I was told to sit an exam. I sat it. And then a few months later, you know, my dad gets a letter saying, oh, a mine can go into this school. And so, and so I went to that school. The school was very good. One third of my class was Jewish. Another third was what I call white minorities, Italian, Irish, um, Greek. And then there were about five of us who were either Indian or Pakistani in the class. So certainly that gave a really nice vibe, quite a creative vibe, actually. And, and North London was quite creative. You know, in our neighbourhood, um, Muscle Hill, Golders Green, Finchley, we did have some very famous names. Um, Amy Winehouse, although she was younger than me, a Jewish family in Golders Green, Boy George, another Jewish family in Golders Green, my age, George Michael, Greek Cypriot from Muscle Hill, you know. And I, I knew George Michael's sister, although this is well before the time he came out as, as being gay. In that sense, and I remember in my, our house was Indian. So, okay, so we were in the council flats. Then in 1975, my father finally bought our first home. No, three-bedroomed house, two-reception terrace house in Muscle Hill, which we still have, and my, my father still lives in it. But um, it's quite interesting because we were Indian, and when we first moved in, there were the families around us were white English, perfectly friendly. I mean, I didn't really feel any exclusion or racism there. But gradually, as they sold up, we had um, Greek Cypriots move in. So when I was about 12 years old, my, the three houses next door to me were all Greek Cypriot. Lily Stilianu, Christos, you know, Harry, these lovely Greek names all, all, all next to us. Um, we all became good friends. Um, I knew more Greek swear words, I think, than I knew Indian swear words by that time. But yeah, a, a nice childhood in that sense. Um, as the racism began to increase between 1975 and 1980, though, things, we were, things were getting unpleasant on the streets. In the sense that I remember walking back from school, if I was on my own, somebody may call me a name, you know, the P word. Am I allowed to say Paki? I'm not sure, but it was the, the, the Paki word, you know. Or you walk past a group of white guys and they say, oh, I can, I can smell some curry walking by. What was interesting was when I was walking with my white friends, nobody said anything. But definitely you felt you were vulnerable if you were walking around on your own. Um, luckily, I was never attacked. In school, though, we were, we were shielded. It was, it was a good school. And I remember once the deputy headmistress saying to me, oh, Joshi, can I speak to you? I said, yes. And I think I was about 12 years, 13 years old, something like that. 
And she says, I want to ask you a personal question. And I thought, oh my God, maybe she knows I'm gay. <laughs> but it wasn't that. She said, have you experienced any racism in, in the school? And I was genuinely quite shocked by that. I, was, I said, no, of course, I, no, no, not at all. I haven't at all. And I was quite shocked, but I was also pleased she asked me that because the school was trying to be sensitive for these issues. Um, so, yes, I was lucky and, and we, we had a good school and a good childhood. One, the other thing I, I began to develop because of this issue of being a brown person, sometimes feeling like an outsider, is that it was important to, to be involved and know about politics and important to, to get involved and maybe what you would call be an activist now. I don't think we called ourselves activists in those days. So I remember I was very, very young when I joined what at that time was something called the Anti-Nazi League, ANL. The ANL was set up by much older people, of course, to fight, push back against the National Front and the narrative of the racist, push back against the skinhead pop groups as well, the bands and so on. And the ANL did a fantastic job. Um, and I was involved in that. I think I was about 13 or 14 when I started all that. We even had a concert against racism in one of the big parks in North London, financed by the mayor of Haringey. I was asked if I wanted to work there. And they even paid me. I think it was about £4.50 an hour or something, but it seemed like a huge amount of the time. And we had fun doing it. And, th and that's when I began to really get involved in activism and understanding that if you were an outsider, you either had to get involved and change society to make, make yourself be more of an insider and let you in, even if it means pushing through those doors and barging through, but you had to make that change happen. Other people weren't going to do it for you. And that's, that thinking was in my mindset when I was about 13, 14. I am an, culturally an Indian person. I was born in India, born into a Hindu Brahmin family. Um, and in India, it was very much quite, you know, this is you. Um, you this is your religion. These are the ceremonies. These are the, 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 um, the way you believe, the way you, the way you walk and talk and everything. And suddenly you get thrown into society, which is completely different, in many ways completely alien to that. Um, and so from an early age, you realize there is more than one way of, of existing. You, know, you can live in an Indian society and prosper in a certain way. You can live in a, a British or Western societies, which is very different. But again, it has, has you know, a good and bad about it. Um, the challenge was always to work out a way of making both these cultures work for you. That was always a challenge. At home, I was very Indian, vegetarian family, strictly vegetarian Gujarati family, um, no alcohol in the house. The no smoking or anything like that. But outside, I when I was younger, I certainly had most of my friends were white. I mean, the school I went to was predominantly white in North London at the time. So you learn to sort of behave in a very English way outside. But then when you go back home, you're very Indian as well. Um, I remember when sort of we, this is as a teenager, when it suddenly became trendy to, to have girlfriends, you know, although I was, I was gay. But being Indian, we couldn't go to the bars or clubs. So at 13 or 14, we were always in the library studying, 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 studying. But actually, 
in the libraries where the girls were. So we just go to the library to, to, to go and study just to meet the girls. We didn't take little cassette players with us, which would play, um, you know, Bungo and Bollywood songs for us, for our group. And at first I would go to the, some of the English parties, but I always felt a bit of an outsider there. And deep down I knew that having a white girlfriend would not be acceptable to my parents. But maybe if I had an Indian girlfriend, that might be acceptable. So I then acti actively went around going to what were the, the, the Bhangra nightclubs. Because in the, in the late 70s, there was an explosion and early 80s of the Bhangra Bollywood um, party scene in London. And often these parties were in the daytime. Thursday afternoons or Saturday or Sunday afternoons because uh, most Indian Pakistani kids couldn't hang out and outside hang out late at night so they'd often be in the afternoon and we'd go there and we'd go and dance and have a party soft drinks you know maybe some vodka mixed with orange but the alcohol had to be something that didn't smell on your breath afterwards so that was important and we used to go there and and so so we still expressed our cultural identity, I guess, or found our, our cultural space in these Bhangra parties. You know, groups like Alap were there. Culturally, yes, I mean, there were differences. I knew drinking was bad and wrong, and I tried to avoid that, although, like most boys, I did start drinking cider and then vodka and lemonade from about 14 years of age, you know. I knew I couldn't really date girls like my white friends could. And... Um, and that's probably why I gradually kept away from some of my white friends and started swerving and swinging towards finding a group of Indian friends, which some of us, which is a little bit unfair to, to the white people, because I think some of us Indians were choosing ourselves to be with each other. And, and this wasn't racism or anything from, from the white community. This was us choosing to be with other, other Asian people. We used to say it's because of, of our culture, our music, our Bollywood, Bhangra, the food. Um, we used to say all that. But I think in reality, we just wanted to have connections with people at a deeper level who were like us and who were like us back in their houses as well. Um, so that's what, we, that's what we used to do. So certainly by the time I was about 18, 19... I, most of my friends, close friends, were, were either Indian or of Pakistani origin. Um, I mean, it wasn't exclusive. We still had a couple of close white friends. But whereas between the ages of, say, 6 and 15, most of my friends were English or white, <laughs> after between about 16 and 20, I made a conscious effort to, to find Indian and Pakistani friends. And, and that's a cultural thing. This cultural pull that pulls you towards them. This brings us to the end of the episode. If you enjoy listening to Queer Kesa, please consider leaving a review and follow us on wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Queer Kesa. If you would like to share any thoughts with us, you can reach out to us on Instagram or email us at queerkesa at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Queer Kesa. See you next time.